A white man? No! Welcome to The Unsub is a White Man. I'm Sarah. And I'm Emily. And we're back with another Criminal Minds recap. This one I had zero memory of. Yeah, even after I watched it, I did not remember ever having seen it before. No, and it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Which I was really confused about because I was like, I'm enthralled the whole time. Yeah. Why do I not remember any of this happening even a little bit? I know, I couldn't believe it. And there's a, a pretty good guest star in it too. So I just... A good subplot, a good everything. Yeah. I have a lot to say. So yeah, I'm just, I think because the episode that's coming next, I'm always so focused on when I think about the first season Yeah, that a lot of it gets pushed to the side thinking about it. But so this originally aired March 1st, 2006. This is unfinished business. Um, Yeah. I guess we should just jump right in, right? Um, yeah, I was really nervous about this one because it was like coming off the high of riding the lightning. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know what I found out about the guy? I cannot remember his name now, uh, but the guy who plays Jacob, mm-hmm. he is the guy who shot Brandon Lee in The Crow with the no prop gun way. and killed him. Yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. I had no idea. I knew he's been in a bunch of stuff. Well, and that whole thing with Alec Baldwin that, that's just happened, too. That's how too. I found that out, because um, I was trying to remember, like, I read that, and it was like, when did that happen before? And then I remembered The Crow, and then I just went down a rabbit hole. I also found out Brandon Lee is related to Bruce Lee, which I didn't You didn't know, know that? No. That was, like, the whole point. I know. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I found that out first, and then... <laughs> I'm glad this new tragedy in 2021 has been so eye-opening for you. Yeah. So about much. Brandon Lee specifically. Yeah, but that actor was the one who wow. shot him on set. So. Oh, that's so devastating. Yeah. I can't imagine because I've been in stuff where you've used prop guns and it's so terrifying to even like hold one, even when the person that tells you it's okay to use it is you trust them. Yeah. So I can't imagine it being somebody that you've just started like working on a movie with. Yeah. You don't really know. It's terrifying. And then I was like reading the whole like explanation of like how everything went down. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's just so such, sad. Yeah. Like it's like one little thing gets overlooked mm-hmm. and then somebody accidentally dies. Because yeah. Of it. it was Ugh. just, Ugh. yeah. Well, on from that to other, but yeah, death and destruction. <laughs> uh, this time the death and destruction is happening in DC. Yeah. Um, a hometown episode right yeah, off well, the bat. Well, it starts in. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. Um, and Gideon is watching someone give a speech on the Keystone Killer, who is um, a guy who taunted the police with his word search puzzles. With very, very Zodiac Killer-esque reminded me of. Yeah. Um, with very, with uh, details about the murders before you disappeared totally like 18 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, And I just want to point out that the book is called Houses of Horror, which is absolutely a book I would read. Yeah. It's like a true crime book called Houses of Horror. Yeah. I would get you that for Christmas. Yeah. Although I don't know, I don't know. Just, just that doesn't seem like a good title based on not, what we not know based about on the, these particular these crimes, particular crimes. But in it general, is a good it's a good title. title. Yeah. <laughs> it has nothing to do with the zodiac. With not yeah. the zodiac. No, for sure, the I would Keystone read that book. Killer. But <laughs> um, 
But part of his signature is a very specific type of knot, which has never been seen since. So mm-hmm. there's a little BTK for you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to talk more about BTK and my feelings about him later. I have like a whole paragraph. <laughs> I figured you had lots of feelings about <laughs> that. Uh, Maybe that's why I can't remember this episode. I blocked <laughs> just it off my it mind. Your memory. <laughs> well, now we've brought it back. <laughs> Uh, The speaker says that unlike the police who believed him to be a compulsive psychopath who had to do things the way that he did, the Keystone Killer was a narcissistic sociopath who chose to do him that way. Um, The theories are that he was either in prison for another crime or he's dead. And that's why he's been or just disappeared off the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy's name is Max Ryan, and he's what like an a, FBI name. a true crime writer who was once a BAU profiler, and that's what I wrote next is, that's a great FBI name. Right, And then yeah. I realized it just sounds like Jack Ryan. Oh, yeah, maybe and that's why like, it sounds Oh, so right, good. that's why it sounds yeah. good. Well, and I was like, this grizzled old FBI guy looks so familiar. He reminds me of the grizzled old guy from Dexter. Yes. And it is it the is grizzled the old guy from Dexter. It's like, oh. It took me uh, until the second watching I didn't I couldn't figure it out the whole first time and the second time I was like it's Captain Matthews from Dexter the first time I wrote he reminds me of the detective from Dexter but it's not him and then I watched it a second time and I was like no it is him yeah um so Gideon asks Ryan why he came out of retirement and moved to Philly to focus on the one killer who got away from him and a security guard uh, walks over and gives him some fan mail which turns out to be a note just like the one the Keystone Killer used to send to the police. Uh, this Keystone Killer, or I mean, the security guard says it was a man in a blue jacket, and Ryan immediately turns around and grabs the first man in a blue jacket mm-hmm. that he sees and throws him up against a wall. And it's like, he evaded you for all of this time. And you now think he's just, just going to hand away. the security guard a <laughs> note and then slowly stroll away. Like, and I love how Max Ryan starts giving orders like he can be in charge of anything. Yeah, he's, he's like, retired. lock this whole place down. Yeah, we nobody need to leaves it. until I talk to them. I'm like, why? You're just the author of the book. Yeah. Also, no one probably has to listen took to the you. jacket off. Yeah. Uh, so then we get our first quote, which is Norman McLean wrote, it is those we live with and love who should know who elude us. Mm. Mm. So Reed, back at the BAU, is super excited about talking to this guy because he's apparently some sort of a profiling legend. Um, and he asks whether Hotch has met him. Uh, Hotch describes him as being brusque without much of a bedside manner. Hmm, sounds familiar. Hmm. Um, so Elle says that sounds like somebody else they know. So Elle's got the jokes this time. <laughs> um, she also has bangs. For only part of the episode. Yeah. Did you notice that they disappear? Yes. Mm-hmm. She just walks in and she has bangs. Yeah. And it's like, did you... What's, it's, it's what's like gone wrong in your life? She's right. You're right? obviously having some sort right. As someone who's recently gotten their bangs cut, I can <laughs> attest to the level of emotional turmoil it takes. This is why they need more women on the team because yeah. any other woman agent would have just pulled her aside and been like, are you okay? Right. Like nobody gets... You don't just show up with bangs for no reason. Yeah. But obviously she changes her mind because they disappear. Yeah. They're, and like they're like pinned back later, but in such a way that bangs that are as short as hers wouldn't Couldn't be, be able to right. be pulled back. They'd be like sticking straight out or something yes. there's a lot of hair stuff going on with l which makes you worry about her emotional state yes um the note that we learn also contains two driver's licenses two pennsylvania ones one's mm-hmm. a recent one and one is looks pretty old um the older one belongs to amy jennings who is the keystone killer's last victim last known victim yes. max last- ryan make sure to point out to us yes um 
So Reed is, of course, really good at word searches. Yeah, he's like the rain man of word searches yeah. all of a sudden. So he immediately sees a number of words and phrases. Did you, did you like look at them? No, while not, they were doing it, not very I, closely. I paused it, and like half of what was highlighted because they had that little like yellow highlighting yeah, around all yeah. the letters, just utter nonsense. They weren't <laughs> even words. Um, however, the word tattoo was in the word search, but not mm. highlighted. It's like that seems some, like more relevant some, than like just a random L. Some <laughs> some uh, words were more meaningful than others, I guess. I guess specifically the words black bra and gray wool socks. Uh, which he found. And um, yeah, those were the two things that Amy Jennings was wearing when they found her body. Mm -hmm. Um, He also sees no fight and rear window. uh, uh, Neither of those words apply to Amy's attack at all. That refers to the new victim, Carla Bromwell, whose uh, driver's license was also in the envelope, um, who was suffocated with a plastic bag. Which is not the same. Yeah, and they talk about like changing MOs, like I, the Zodiac I, Killer changing MOs. But it, eh. it's so like it's 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 known that they always say right. They say they've said this, and this is the fifteenth episode now. In every episode, that the methodology and the victimology never change. Right? That's like their one thing they always say. Yeah, but I don't know because then they're like. Like when they do change things, they're like, oh, he's evolving. Right. And like, which one is it? Yeah. It's like, it's almost like there's no science here. It's all guesswork. (laughs) Um, But yeah, then JJ comes in with a photo of a woman with a plastic bag over her face and puts it down on the table. Yeah. And then did you notice Morgan's question? No. What was Morgan's question? Who's that? (laughs) (laughs) Crack teams on again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess it's like. In the middle of the night. But so maybe he's they're just there really for tired. A reason. But still, come on, man. Um, so then JJ asks them the ter- to turn on the news, mm-hmm. um, which is just conveniently starting a report on um, that the station had been sent a letter to the Keystone Killer. And I was really confused about, like, is this a Philadelphia station? Yeah. How are they watching it if it's a local in DC? Or yeah. is DC reporting? Or is the serial killer from Philadelphia sending notes to the D.C.? This is a great question. I was very confused about all of this. Maybe one of the other powers of the BAU is that they get every local news station in the country. That makes sense. They've got satellite TV there. Yeah. Um, The letter also contained a copy of the photo of Carla Bromwell. um, And although the Philadelphia police did find a body, they're not confirming that it's her yet. So Hutch tells everyone to meet him on the plane in 30 minutes. So close. I know. No wheels up quite yet. And they do a pretty grisly photo jump. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, uh, Ryan insists that he's going to come with them. Yeah. And at that point. Because he's got his Keystone Killer blinders on already. Yeah. Super helpful. Yeah. And he's being so annoying about it that at Mm -hmm. this point I was like. He's fabricating this entire thing because he wants to like bring attention back to this case that he never mm-hmm. solved. Mm-hmm. And he's like tired of not being like the star detective. So he's like making all this stuff up so he can find it. Like he was the killer all along. That would have been a good episode. I know. Not this episode, but it would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> this is how little I remembered this. Yeah. I was absolutely <laughs> convinced that that was what was going to happen in this show. 
Um, so then the Philadelphia Police Department confirms that Carla was killed less than 12 hours ago. She was bound with flex cuffs, not rope this time. So his signature thing, gone. Yeah. But also it's like, okay, well, he obviously, like this was 20 years ago. So yeah, like maybe he just now. doesn't have the manual dexterity yeah, anymore he's less to, mobile. to tie those crazy knots because mm. they showed a picture of it and it's this really it's intricate it's, knot. It's very over the top. Yeah. Um, and Carla was also 47, who's older than his previous victims, uh, which means he probably can't overpower younger, stronger women anymore. And they're all like, what could this mean? <laughs> I'm like, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Morgan suggests that it could be a copycat, which Ryan shoots down immediately because a copycat wouldn't have had Amy Jennings' driver's license, which I guess is a pretty good point. Yeah, that's true. He says it's definitely the killer, and Morgan's like, how are we supposed to work with this guy? He's the fucking worst. Yeah, and so and this was at the point that I was like, man, he's giving me huge Keystone Killer vibes Yeah, at Carla Bromwell's house. Turn it, tune it down a notch, man. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, um, I was also really glad that Elle got dressed so professionally. I know that they were like called up in the middle of the night or whatever, but she's wearing like a crop top and flare jeans. Yes. I mean, something you'd wear for a night out in 2006. Yes. <laughs> With your fresh cut bangs yes. and a can-do attitude. It's like a zip-up hoodie. Like, <laughs> come on, Elle. Don't you have a change of clothes at the office or something? Yeah. Where's your go bag? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Morgan asks, or, uh, sorry, uh, Gideon says that, uh, Ryan knows the case better than anyone and that he's only there consulting. And Morgan's like, yeah, this guy does not know that he's only here consulting. Um, because Ryan clearly considers himself in charge of this entire investigation. Yeah, he sure does. Um, Carla was surprise attacked and bludgeoned. There's no bruising near the bindings. So no struggle. Elle remembers that the puzzle said rear window, and she's like, oh, I should go check the puzzle for Prince. And Max is like, what Max a waste Ryan. of time. Yeah. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, well, I'm going to go do it anyway. Yeah. Like, yeah, who would want to follow proper police procedure? Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, then... Oh, this is in my notes where I wrote, what in the 2006 mall vibes is Elle wearing? See? <laughs> I forgot like, I put that in my why notes. Why are you dressed like yeah. this? You the were The leather on jacket with the fur collar. Yes. Oh my God, the fur collar. Yeah. I forgot about that. And I said her shirt looked like it came from Wet Seal. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't understand. If you know that you have the kind of job where you get called out all the time, if you're not dressed properly when you get there, you have a change of clothes there. Yeah. I don't or understand. Or just always have... An outfit just hung up on the back of your door just that you can grab without thinking about it. Or like in the trunk of your car because you're already out when you get the call. Everybody else is dressed like a normal FBI agent and Elle is dressed like a teenager. Yeah. Um, So then Ryan says he hasn't had a feeling like this around a dead body in 18 years. See, this is what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Sir. I'm like, okay, well, you're the murderer. This is very incriminating. Please stop. Yes. Uh, JJ then talks to the media, which is completely pointless because she's only telling the media that she has nothing to tell them. I'm right. Like, why and are we watching they this? They won't stand for it. Yeah. They're outraged. They're really mad. Um, Reed says that he thinks that they can learn a lot from Ryan. <laughs> and then they find another puzzle. Um, and shockingly, they handle it with gloves and then they put it into an evidence bag. <laughs> the first, this is the first time in 15 episodes we've watched them handle evidence oh, properly. Yes. Uh, the letter begins with a quote from, uh, which uh, it's, I can't remember what exactly the quote was, but Ryan's like, that's from my book. Mm. 
but it's, it, it's, it's actually he, he was quoting somebody it's else's a Francis book. Bacon yeah. quote. And you're like, okay, like maybe don't take credit for that. <laughs> um, it says to expect another gift in two days. Um, a gift for whom they ask? <gasps> for me, says Ryan. <laughs> also from him, right? Yes. He's quoting himself in the letter. He's <laughs> himself <Exactly>. gifts. <laughs> Um, the unsub adds a photo of a blonde woman to his album, which is conveniently labeled album on the front <laughs> cover. Um, but then uh, that's when I figured out it probably wasn't Ryan. So <laughs> <laughs> there went my theory. Uh, well, they knew they had to give us something because they made him so suspicious up until that point. Yeah. Um, then we get like a quarter of a profile. Yeah. I was so mad in this episode because they never give a full profile. They're constantly distracted from telling us. I actually had to rewind to get even this snippet of profile because I was so outraged in the moment. Yeah. Um, um, they ask Ryan if he wants to give the pro- profile and he's like, like no. no. <laughs> We're like, oh, okay. No, it's just like, I didn't have anything prepared. <laughs> Like, we actually don't have one yet. Uh, we really thought that maybe you could take this on yeah. since you wrote a whole book about it. He won't He won't do it. Yeah. Um, so they say a lot has changed in 20 years, including the ages of the victims. He's older. The victims are older. Mm. Most killers have p- specific fantasies. Like, it's like they're killing the same person over and over again. And this one had a preference for young brunettes and has switched now to older women. <laughs> who are also brunettes who as are far also as we brunettes. can tell yeah. um, then there's a really bad Ted Bundy yes. impersonator I know, I was like <laughs> where is Zac Efron when you need him right? and I was like oh 2006 probably filming High School Musical <laughs> that's exactly where he was <laughs> right then uh, so they liken this man to Bundy and how he started by killing basically women who were, reminded him of his fiance, but then he very quickly devolved, yes. like the sorority house killing. Yeah. So they think that the Keystone killer could be devolving into a frenzy, and there's no telling how quickly he'll fall apart and how many victims he'll take with him. Um, a white male in his 40s. There's controlled crime scenes, meticulousness, and a collection of trophies that suggest a military background. And it's at this moment that they think it's more important to follow Max Ryan's petulant tantrum into the next room than to finish doing their job and giving us the profile. Yes, my next note is, anyway, the profile is not important, so we're focusing on Ryan, who can't handle being a team player. <laughs> yeah, I have, Mine is in all caps. They think it's more important we see Gideon and Max talk. I am outraged. Yeah. And um, then I wrote, oh my God, shut up, Max Ryan, because yeah. he's insufferable. Yeah. Even Gideon is, seems like he's starting to think something is a little bit off yeah. about Max here because mm-hmm. he is acting insane. Um, so then they're all sitting around at the police department and they're discussing the case and Reed is just like doing the word searches with the highlighter. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gideon is obsessing over the knots or lack thereof and Reed finds a name. And he mm-hmm. says, it says uh, N-I-B-R-A-H-S. And Elle's like, what country is the name Nibras from? <laughs> <laughs> Rita's like, oh, God, you moron. It's backwards. And Scott Harbin was an initial suspect. And Ryan's like, no, it's not him. We can't go. We're not going to talk to him because it would be a waste of our time because definitely not him. Um, and anyway, he stabbed and a thank guy. Thank God no one listens to him. Right? Uh 
so he stabbed a guy during a home invasion and he's been in prison. So it's like, hmm. there. Wow. I wonder if he's recently been released. Yes. In fact, uh, he has, because Garcia tells us that um, he's recently been paroled and um, has an address for him. Um, but meanwhile, like I, in my head, it was like when Morgan's like, I'm going to go call Garcia to find out. It was like, he probably just wants to call her and be like, oh my God, you cannot believe what an insufferable <laughs> dick this guy is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Hotch also thinks he's insufferable and asks Gideon if Ryan even wants to catch the killer or just prove that he's right. Mm. You're like, good question, Hotch. Yeah. I'm wondering the same thing. Um, so yeah, she's got the address for them and Morgan is super pumped because he gets to go <laughs> take out a door. Yeah. <laughs> um, but unfortunately the Philly SWAT guys break down the door <laughs> and, um, they let L go in to tackle Harbin. Yeah. For it's some like, reason, this toughy L act is yeah. not convincing. But it's like, man, can't we let Morgan have anything nice? <laughs> like, you're taking away all of his joys. But yeah, like, there's the entire SWAT team and the entire BAU, and yeah. they're like, L, go tackle that guy. <laughs> go take all 97 pounds of yourself yeah. and take that grown adult man wrong or down. Um, yeah, it just seems like that would be a big risk. Like, just not even safe for... They, they believe in her. Her. I guess. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they're checking out Harbin's house and um, Harbin's socks and underwear are folded with the way they teach you to do it in basic training. Apparently. Yes. Who knew? Um, I did not know that basic training was that basic. <laughs> I think. And then I ended up going down one hell of a rabbit hole about military folding styles. Have you been practicing? Yeah. No, I don't. I don't actually like it. I did fold a couple of t-shirts <laughs> that way. The way that I, but there's different folding styles depending on which branch of the military you're in apparently really i would yeah. think they would all be the same like if you're in the army you like in the air force they like roll their shirts like mm -hmm. they fold them and roll them but then in the navy it was like specific way in the um like you like fold it into thirds or something. I was mm. watching a lot of TikToks about it. So can you tell? From now my TikTok algorithm is just <laughs> real fucked up, unfortunately. Uh, so but the t-shirts are not folded like either. I was just <laughs> gonna say, methods. could you could you tell from his which he, which branch he was in? No, I mean they weren't rolled, but they also weren't folded the right way to be mm. navy t-shirts, and there was no specific marine or coast guard things that I could find. Oh. Um. Hmm. But yeah, there's a shocking Is National number of Guard different. You do basic training for that too, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Is the National Guard the army technically? I feel like they're two different things. I thought it, I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Didn't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find out because I'm I know I'm on like military TikTok now, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> I just keep getting jokes on my FYP that are just like videos about Marines eating crayons. And I'm like, I, I, don't, I understand. don't understand your joke and please stop telling them to me. These are not for me. Um, but yeah, this guy is just super OCD in general. Yeah. Everything's labeled in like labeled bins in yeah. his closets and everything. Don't it's, worry. No one's wearing gloves for this search. No. Um, but yeah, L goes to talk to this guy and he's like, 
just looks like a normal dad, like mm-hmm. a normal, super organized dad. And she's yeah. all like in his face and she's like, what's the matter? You can't handle a woman that's not afraid of you. And like even Gideon, who's the king of taunting on subs, <laughs> is like, oh, cool. <laughs> so Morgan and Hodge are just like nonchalantly looking around the bedroom. And then they're like, oh, what's this under the bed? And they pull out a box with a naked woman tied oh, up in God. it. <laughs> This like, kind holy of shit, crime I is, not remember this. I know. It, because this kind of crime is absolute nightmare fuel. Like the woman yeah. in the box. Like the girl thing. in the box. Yes. Yeah, like Colleen Stan. That's, uh, yeah. I can't even think about it. It's too horrible. Yeah, they did an SVU episode about that yes, too. And it yes. was so scary. It is so, yeah. so scary. And maybe that's maybe that's the second reason why I've blocked this entire. Yeah. Because it's like two of my biggest nightmares ever bundled into one episode. And don't worry, there's no resolution. And we never see this woman in the box again for the rest of this episode. Oh, no, not even a little bit. Yeah, that was it. They pull her out, and they're like, "We got a lady here," and then they they're move like, "Somebody on. call an ambulance." Um, but there's no time to worry about that because um, there's another note from the Keystone Killer on the car's windshield, yeah, addressed to Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like, "Well, clearly we have more pressing matters than no, this woman that no. we just found." Go back to the woman, <laughs> this traumatized woman. How long has she been there? Is she going to be okay? How did yeah. this happen? How long has he been doing this? Yeah, were there other women? Like, like check the backyard for bodies. Right. Yeah. It's making my stomach hurt just thinking about it. And they brush right past it. It is. It's insane. That part is over, Sarah. (laughs) I can't can't let it go. Why does everybody else let it go so quickly? Uh, This Keystone killer calls Harvin inelegant and merciless. And he tells Ryan that he'll be reminded of his mercy tomorrow. Oh, (laughs) the cat's upset about it too. Also outraged. (laughs) Uh, Morgan says that the killer leading them to another killer has to be a first. Oh my God. I was like, that happens all the time (laughs) (laughs) in TV shows actually. Um, but Gideon reminds us again that unsubs make the best profile. Right. (laughs) Exactly. It's Gideon's favorite line. (laughs) Um, so then the team does what they do and they review everything they know about the Keystone killer. Um, Elle says that he is not dead or in jail. Thanks, Elle. Yeah, Mm -hmm. we know that. Yeah, since he's out actively killing more people, (laughs) I would guess that. Uh, They say that suffocating is a a, a passive way to murder somebody. It doesn't seem like it. It does not seem... Reed has a whole rationalization about suffocating someone that seems just blatantly incorrect. Yeah, because he's like, it's not like, you know, you don't get the release of like stabbing them and watching them die. And it's like, like literally what, like, I feel like there's been other yeah, he's like, you things don't, where like they, you watch the light drain from their eyes while you're suffocating them. Cause you can look them right in the well, face. And that's what he says. He's like, they don't get to see the life drain out of them. Like you literally feel opposite. it because you're holding your, like something yeah. over their face. Right. Or like in choking someone, he says it takes 11 pounds of pressure, which is a lot and only 50 seconds, which is a long time. 50 seconds is a long time. When you have to sit through 50 actual real-time seconds, it is an eternity. Like doing something that is physically really difficult. Yes. Look, Like try to do a wall sit for 50 seconds. Or a plank. (laughs) I tell kids all the time when, when I'm teaching theater that you think a minute is not long until you have to do something on stage for a full minute. It is yeah. forever. And then you do it for 14 seconds and you're like, wow, I've been doing this for my entire life. I right? need to stop doing it right now. 50 <laughs> seconds is a long time. Yeah. It seems like a passive way of killing somebody would be like, 
poisoning them. Right. Where you don't even have to be present for it to happen. Yeah. But yeah. yes, suffocating seems very active. Mm-hmm. Um, but Gideon is confused about the loss of confidence that this killer is showing now. And, and it's been 20 years, Gideon. Yeah, Ryan says that maybe he wouldn't have changed his MO unless he had to. So maybe he's been incapacitated in some way. Man. Uh, so, uh, oh, <laughs> no one's particularly concerned about Harbin or his other victims. I'm concerned, and I'm also really invested in which branch of the military <laughs> he's in based on his folding habits. I would like a full episode on Scott Harbin and his crimes, please. That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they decide that, um, hey, they should, what they should do is go through 18 years worth of hospital records mm-hmm. of military men. And they're like, call Garcia. In the greater Philadelphia area. They're like, call Garcia. She's probably not busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So we get more of the profile when JJ gives it to the media, Mm -hmm. which I don't really understand because usually they're like, don't release this to the media. Yeah. There's time like full press conference. But don't worry. It's still not a full profile. All we get is white male, late 40s. Military background, well-educated, a need for power and control, and a job with some type of authority before she is interrupted. Yes. By the reporter that I love so much Mm -hmm. with her amazing question where she's like, "Uh, you just described half the men living in Philadelphia. (laughs) And I was like, let her finish. And it's like, I get what they're saying because the profile is vague, but like only 8% of American men in their 40s are veterans. Mm -hmm. So like... It's probably not that many. And and there could be more. She was going to tell us that would further narrow this down, but we will never know. No, we never will. But yeah, I also spent a really long time looking up military statistics. (laughs) So that's more of my life that I've wasted on this. (laughs) Um, So Ryan is like, wow, you guys are so much better than handling the media than we ever were. And uh, that the media needs someone to blame and it's going to be him. And you're like, you are being such a sad sack. Yeah. Just shut up. This isn't about you. Yeah. Um, so Elle asks him if he'll be able to relax once the Keystone Killer is caught. And Ryan's like, the BAU doesn't hire people who relax. And he just talks about how he like has lost touch with his entire family. And yeah. he doesn't have anyone. So that's why he spends his entire life just obsessing over, over this, this one case. case. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy. Yes. Uh, so then we see the unsub watching that blonde woman from the from his photo. Um, mm-hmm. She looks like she's a teacher of some kind. Um, and she's waving at him through the window. Um, the team, meanwhile, is going through medical records and discusses the possibility that the Keystone Killer had a stroke. Um, Morgan points out that if he was in his early 20s at the time of the initial killings, he's probably too young to have had a stroke. Yeah. Um, so Reed knows a lot about strokes. Tells us lots of facts about strokes. Lots of facts about strokes that only reinforce the idea mm-hmm. that in fact that guy is Too unlikely young. to have had a stroke yeah. in his early 20s mm-hmm. um so then hotch finds somebody and they're just like going through like sheets of paper again they always <laughs> pick the most efficient method of going through something this is the cd cases all over exactly again. they're like we should we should read all of this mm-hmm. or like the emails from the bomber right, episode where right. they printed them all out like there has to be teams of other people that do all that kind yeah. of grunt work also can you just get medical records like this you can't just get that can you they, they just print them out and send boxes and boxes of paper yeah. um 
But yeah, Hotch finds somebody who was dishonorably discharged at 30 and then broke his neck. But, oh, can't be this guy because that guy's scuba instructor in the Keys. Because he's really figured life out. Yes, he really has. Uh, Gideon reminds Ryan of an investigator who let the Boise child murder get to case get hit to him and take over his whole life. And that the important thing is to not let yourself become another victim. And Ryan's like, no, this is different. You're like, it's absolutely it's not the same. It's exactly the same situation. Mm-hmm. And Ryan says, I think maybe I wrote that book to draw the Keystone killer out. <sighs> and now I've put more women in danger. You're like, please stop making this about you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're so annoying. <laughs> yep. Uh, but Gideon is like, just let the team help you. We can do this. Um, Reed brings up car accidents. And Morgan says he's going to have Garcia look into car accidents involving late model American made sedans. I don't know why that was a specific filter they were going to go with. I don't know um, either, but I put it as profile part three. <laughs> yes. But in uh, 1988, and there were only five. Mm-hmm. Serious car accidents in Philadelphia? Yeah. In 1988? So they say. Okay. (laughs) Um, The first guy, the first one was a guy who broke his back. And he lived on the same street as Carla Bromwell. Mm -hmm. What a coincidence. (laughs) Uh, So Walter Kern is 48 and he still lives in Philadelphia. He was in the ROTC and the Air Force. So his shirt should have been rolled. (laughs) Uh, we haven't seen in his drawers yeah, yet. Yeah, that's true. His shirts probably are rolled. <laughs> uh, he lost mobility on his right side after the accident, and he used to install home alarms with Scott Harbin. Guys. Which makes me wonder, like, why weren't him- they, like, you know, if they would have spent a little bit of time looking into, looking Scott, into Harbin. Scott Harbin. Like, there has to be a reason that the Keystone Killer is pointing you towards Scott Harbin because yeah. he knows Scott Harbin. Yeah, because, like, Scott Harbin's going down, yeah. obviously. Right. They found this woman in his house. Yeah. So, like, they could have just been like, hey, who would have known yeah. that you were doing this? Mm-hmm. And you probably would have been like, oh, this guy Walter Kern I used to work with. And it yeah. would have saved them so much reading mm-hmm. of old medical records from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> And this, the home security thing is, again, like BTK, this is too much for me. (laughs) I cannot handle it. Very BTK. (sighs) And that's how he got caught, too. Yeah. Because he got tired of nobody paying attention to him. He sent another letter. Yeah. And then they were all like, hey, this is you. You sent this letter. You're going to jail. (laughs) (laughs) Where he did not die. (laughs) Okay, listen. (laughs) For the longest time, I slept easy at night. Knowing in my heart of hearts that BTK was dead and that I didn't have to worry about him and his heinous crimes and him lurking inside my house for hours waiting to bind, torture, and kill me the moment Nate left to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, until the day that I dressed up as BTK for a costume party because, again, he was dead, no harm, no foul, yeah. and Emily had to point out to me that he is, in fact, alive and well and in prison where yeah. he could still get out and kill me at any moment. <laughs> um, so my life has been ruined. I feel like I we didn't really know each other that well at that point. No. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I'm going to ruin your life with this fun fact <laughs> my that I know. My life has been ruined. We somehow still became friends after that, um, but I haven't had a good night's sleep in years after I found that out. You're welcome. Uh, so Ryan and Gideon head to the house and knock on the door. Uh, the door opens and it's the blonde lady. Mm-hmm. But when she opens the door, uh, it's not the team she's opening to. Oh, no. It's a bald guy who mm-hmm. we have to assume is Walter Kern by the very insidious way he closes the door behind him. <laughs> He's real creepy about it. Um, 
Uh, the Kern's home, the door is opened by another woman and she says he is at home. Uh, the woman lets them in. And, um, then we see Kern holding the wall, the blonde woman at gunpoint. He tells her to put on the little like zip tie cuffs, um, and then hits her and mm-hmm. knocks her down onto the bed. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Kern is like, oh, my husband is volunteering with the Boy Scouts <laughs> at the community center. Again, BTK. Yeah. Uh, Ryan asks her if there's a place in the house that she isn't supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yes, of course, he has a dark room. Um, <laughs> That's only accessible from the storm doors outside. Yeah, it's like a root cellar. Yeah. Uh, Gideon asks if she went in there, if he'd become angry, and her demeanor indicates yes. <laughs> I was like, how do you live with somebody? And then they have like a room and they're like, don't ever go in that room. What's the first thing you do? You go in the room you go, the minute you go they're in not that home. Room, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> and it wasn't locked or anything. Yeah. Like she let them right in. Yeah. I would have snooped the shit out of that place immediately, yeah. but she does not. Red flag. Uh, he was depressed for a long time after his accident, but then snapped out of it. Um, the dark room is a root cellar and... Like, he's not even trying to hide it. It's no, just, it's like, just like cov- pasted on the walls. Covered in articles about yeah. the Keystone Killer. Like, uh, and there's also a signed copy of Max's book. Yeah, so he obviously showed up to the re- one of the readings and had He was at the one it. in the beginning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they flash back and you see him there mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, that guy. Um, they also find his scrapbook, which contains details about all of the victims, including some incomplete chapters. Mm-hmm. Reed reminds or remembers that one of the puzzles contained the word unfinished business. Mm. Like, huh, see oh, what you did that's there? That's the title of the episode. <laughs> like, what is this? Some kind of unfinished business? <laughs> uh, but this lady is blonde and they go on and on about him wanting brunettes. Yeah. I don't know if she was just convenient because she knows them. Yeah. I don't know. Like easy target. Um, but then they realized that his accident happened when he was on the way to kill Carla mm-hmm. because she is there's stuff about her in the, uh, scrapbook. And that's why he went after her not because he was changing the victimology necessarily, but because he just, he'd already never had her got and this other woman picked yeah. out or something. Um, so then they look at the photos of the last woman in the chapter, um, the woman in the last chapter, we see the blonde woman crying and asking him what's wrong, or what's wrong with him and saying that she's known him and Anne for years, which is good because that means they can show the photos to his wife and yeah. she could be like, oh, that's my friend. She lives here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just send him right over. Um, she pleads for her life as the SWAT team approaches the house and very quietly opens the door, much to Morgan's dismay, I assume, <laughs> um, he puts the bag over her head just as the team bursts in and Morgan at least gets to tackle gets somebody. Yeah. Uh, but Ryan gets to cuff him. Which what I don't understand. Closure. Because Ryan's retired. Yeah, he's so not an active. He can't fetter- officially no. arrest him. He cannot. They're like, let Ryan have it. Yeah. Like, but an, an actual, not that they're ever worried about Mirandizing someone, but no. an actual law enforcement agent has to do that, right? It's a citizen's arrest. Yeah, not just somebody who's retired from the BAU. Yeah. But Walter's like, we're inseparable, you and me. Gross. You're both terrible. What I didn't understand about this whole attack on the blonde lady is they kept saying that his right side was incapacitated, right? And that's why he had to use the flex cuffs and stuff now. Yeah. But he's doing everything with his right hand. He's holding the gun with his right hand. He hits her with the gun in his right hand. Maybe he just doesn't have like the same... Maybe, but he's like keeping his Although left guess, arm like lamely at his side, yeah, and using his right arm when shouldn't it be the other way yes. around? 
It should. Okay. Just making like, sure. <laughs> if you can't use your fingers on that hand to tie a knot, like, can you use it to fire a gun? Probably not reliably. Yeah. Maybe he's right-handed and he just couldn't let it go. Maybe. Who knows? Um, so then we get our second quote, which Elle reads to us. Uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, in the end, it's not the years of your life that count. It's the life in your years. Mm. Mm-hmm. I was like, is that a real quote? That sounds like an Instagram <laughs> quote that somebody would have misattributed to, <gasps> to someone a whole famous. bunch of other people. Yeah. Not necessarily Abraham Lincoln, but I guess <laughs> that's why it's believable. Um, so back on the plane, Ryan's telling the team embarrassing old Gideon stories mm-hmm. and they're not funny and they don't make any sense. Like one of them's about him running up a flight of tw- or like yeah, 25 flights of stairs. To try to save someone's life after they told him that person's life was in danger. Yeah. Like, why is that funny? Yeah. Like, sounds like you're you- a dick. Yeah. And why would you run up 25 flights of stairs? Too long to wait for the elevator? I don't know. There's no way that the wait for the elevator was longer than it would have taken to run up 25 yeah. flights of stairs. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Elle comes over and asks Hotch how he manages a job and a family. And Hotch is like, wait, I have a family? Uh, oh, wait, we haven't seen that baby in 13 episodes. Exactly. Uh, he says that he focuses 100% of, on his family at home and 100% on work when he's on the job. Mm-hmm. You're like, is that try to, is that, are they trying to make him seem more human? Cause I'm not falling. For I don't it. know. They're, like, thanks for that pointless answer. They're like trying to make him seem more human. He's like prioritizing and giving L advice. Like, yeah, no, like, you're, you're still not, you're still brusque. Yeah. With no bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like that would have been the perfect opportunity for him to just like, you know, talk about like why everything he does is for to make the world a better place for his son and yeah. his family. And instead, he's like, "No, I just pay attention to my family when I'm at home." Like, <laughs> but you're not ever Hodge. home. Yeah, is the you're point? You're never home. <laughs> you're here on a weekend. It has to be like a Sunday when they're flying on this plane. Yeah. But we do have another uh, white man. Yes, bringing us fifteen to one. Uh, solidly six percent not white men. 94% white men Yes. so far in season one. Um, I, I don't even know how to score this profile because we never really got a full one. I mean... I mean, they break it up, but I feel like we've gotten sparser profiles in other episodes. That's true. That's true. I'm just salty because the delivery was the so delivery bad. The delivery was really irritating. Um, but yeah, I mean, like 40s... Military background, yeah. need for power and control, apparently that car thing. <laughs> apparently. I don't know. We never saw his car. But yeah, I mean, like a lot of the times their profile is like two sentences and you're like, where did you even get this? Yeah. Yeah. But it was pretty accurate. So what would you give this one for accuracy, helpfulness, and plausibility on a scale of one to 10? Um, it was pretty accurate mm-hmm. and I feel like pretty plausible. Like there wasn't really anything... Aside yeah, there's from, nothing outlandish yeah, about there's it. Nothing, but like in helpfulness, like not really. Yeah. Because there were only five people right. that were in car accidents. And the car accident thing they figured out Late just with game. other evidence that yeah. didn't have anything to do with the profile. They would have known it faster if they'd talked to Scott exactly. Harbin. Exactly. <laughs> and all they had to do was talk to Scott Harbin about his associates, and they would have been able to figure it out and narrow it down mm-hmm. a lot sooner. But So it's maybe like a four or five? Yeah. 
pretty middle of the road, I guess. Yeah, it also just makes me wonder how they de- never caught him before because he didn't seem like he was particularly difficult to catch. Yeah. Well, there's like Gideon has some line about how Max Ryan knows the Keystone Killer better than the Keystone Killer knows himself. I'm like, but if that was true, he would have caught him 18 years ago. Yeah. He doesn't. The man was sitting right in front of him. He signed his book. He handed him a book and he signed it and gave it back. No clue. So yeah. he obviously doesn't know him that well. No. Right? Yeah, no. It, it doesn't seem like he would have been particularly adept at evading the police. Because right. he was not at all no. on this one. No, so. not at all. But, well, he had his, his trusting wife to never go in the root cellar, so he knew he had nothing to worry about. That is true. And then also it's like she said he was depressed after the accident, but then he snapped out of it. But only recently, right? That he because snapped of the out book? of book. I don't Is know that what snapped him out of it. Was he just really depressed for eighteen years? Yeah, and that's I don't know why the book would snap him out of it. I guess unless it made him decide to go back and take care of his unfinished business. Yeah, or like was he like doing physical therapy and waiting for the time when he was physically, <laughs> for eighteen years? For 18 that years physical and therapy like, isn't working. <laughs> yeah, like finally he was physically able to do it again. I don't. It's know. It's really hard to picture Walter Kern as any kind of like strong, virile serial killer, even eighteen years ago. Yeah, like he's just so he just looks like, like dumpy and dorky and yeah, frail seeming. <laughs> yeah. Even I don't know. It was. He was not a believable unsub to me. He's no BTK, okay? <laughs> BTK was terrifying. Yeah, he looked terrifying. Yeah. So I don't know how no one saw that like coming. This guy looks like a grandpa. Yeah. And he's only 48. Yeah. He looked way older than that. I feel like the early 2000s were a different time. Like it, because of the fashion and the hairstyles and everything, everybody yeah. seemed older or something. He's bald know. with his round glasses yeah. and his cardigan. Yeah. You know, like he looked like he's like <laughs> 70. Maybe people are looking at us and thinking we look much older than our mid thirties. So I don't know. Maybe the like, maybe the writers were all really young and they were like, "Let's mm. make him super old, like forty eight. <laughs> <laughs> like that's like just just hitting middle age. Yeah. <laughs> You're still so young and vibrant at forty eight. I know. Uh, well, I'm excited for the next episode, which is the tribe. Yes. Nothing problematic about this episode. Not even a little bit. I'm excited to talk about it. I feel like we'll have a lot to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if you are listening, be sure to leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at the unsub is a white man. Our theme music is composed and performed by Nate Youngblood, and the podcast is produced by Nate Youngblood. Thanks, Nate. And you can find us next week. We will be in a box under a bed. <laughs>